0: I hope you guys are doing super fantastic. Wow, it is a new month already. Can't believe July has just like, whoops, sweeped away like that. And we came to an end of Plastic Free July, obviously being the 2nd of August today that the podcast's out. (laughs) Yeah, well, that by no means should mean that your Plastic Free July journey should actually stop at the end of July. So the last episode, I gave you guys some of my tips, you know, to kind of do during Plastic Free July, but it does not have to be Ju- July just to kind of, you know, continue with it or start with it. You can start with it anytime you want. That's the beauty of this like wasteless living, trying to reduce your waste So if you guys have any questions with regards to that episode or just questions on how you can actually reduce your waste, do let me know and I will try my best to to answer them for you. But I want to kind of move into today's episode because I am ecstatic about this guest. Oh my goodness, we had such a great time talking I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for some time now. So happy that we managed to actually get that done, get it recorded. It was like that cherry on the top for me. I'm really excited because he's been such an inspiration to me and, you know, this entire movement. Our guest today is the co-founder and the CEO of The One Movement. He's also the host of the Lonely Wales podcast, 52 Hertz, an environmental activist, entrepreneur, and an actor. And if you are a fan of Netflix Lock and Key or some of his other films like Step Up High Water, Lucky Man, and I Boy, to name a few, I am sure you are going to know Ig. Exactly who I'm talking about. During this episode, we talked about how his journey started into environmental activism and how this journey has actually led him to have more impact. We also talk about the importance of climate optimism and how each of us can play a vital role for a more sustainable future. Crazy birds, without any further ado, would like to welcome Patrice therese Jones. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Riska.
0: You're almost welcome. So I'm super excited to talk to you. It's always great, you know, hearing from a fellow podcaster as well. You've got quite an incredible journey. So I'm going to dig right in and ask you like kind of how did that sustainable journey actually start?
1: Oh, wow. you really are getting right in there. Um, <laughs> Where does it start? I guess as far as my, my, my biggest step in terms of moving into the world of activism and and becoming, you know, I'm slowly coming into the activism space, but uh, my first step would have been for sure to st- stop eating meat. I saw cowspiracy and I, I almost said C-spiracy, still on the mind. <laughs> uh, I saw cowspiracy for, for the first time and always had a funny association with eating meat and was never sure why. There was just something that didn't always quite feel right about it. And having learned a lot of the environmental impacts of animal products, begun to really start that journey of going, oh, wow, this, I'm partaking in, in something that's you know, this, a, quite a large problem and a significant contributor to, to environmental breakdown. Uh, and that was really early when there wasn't really that many mainstream sort of documentaries and stuff, and I wasn't really exposed to it. That was the first reason I went, I went vegetarian. the planet and that was my first step and that was in like 2014 I think it was that was my first personal step so I guess that would uh, that would mark the start of my sustainability journey but when I could say I really started to be forward about it and make the decision that I in some capacity want to be a part of the sustainability movement I was shooting a show in 2017 called Step Up I just moved out to LA I was moving from Milton Keynes where I'm from to LA and ended up booking a lead on a show nine days after I got there and had to move to to Atlanta to start a show. So I'd started on this show and became abundantly aware of how unbelievable the waste aspect of production was. I don't know if you know much about TV and film and all that kind of thing, but it's really astronomical, particularly with regards to things like single-use plastic water bottles and, and packaging and knives and forks and all the stuff that we all know is really avoidable. But I wasn't... I wasn't that switched on in that, in that sense. I knew it wasn't a, wasn't a good thing, but it kind of hit me in the face one day when I'd been sat on set and had my cast chair. I'm sat in my cast chair and I'm seeing all around, it's a dance show as well. So, you know, everybody's dancing, everybody's drinking loads of water. You drink three sips of water, you put it down for a second and then, and then everyone puts their bottles near each other. No one knows which bottle's theirs. It became like crazy. You'd see a turnover of water bottles and plastic and, and just terrible on a moment-by-moment a moment basis. And it kind of just happened in like an image and like a picture. And then I looked down in my sort of, you have like a pouch in your car's chair and I saw like three, four plastic bottles in, in my chair that were mine. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, I'm a part of this. You know, I'm I'm also contributing to this issue. And I can't even say what it was that made it so abundantly clear how big of a problem this was. But it just kind of hit me and I started doing a lot of research and I started trying to get my production to use better better water sources. They were using like Nestle water, which is just like, you know, that piss. Excuse my oh. language.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. worries. That's quite like a aha moment. And I mean, so many of us, like I had the exact same thing as well when I was working as part of like a massive art exhibition thing where I saw exactly the same thing. You've got thousands of bottles every single day. Some's got this much water left in, some had this much like taken. So it's it's crazy. So that's just phenomenal. And I mean, like, well, I haven't been on a Hollywood set yet, but I mean, there could still be something in the future. <laughs> but how did that actually take you to the furthest, like the kind of next step, which for many of our crazy birds that does not know you are actually the co-founder and the ceo of one movement how did you go from that single-use plastic bottle to what you guys have now
1: i shot this show step up and then i moved to moved back to la and then i moved to canada to shoot a show called lock and key and became abundantly aware that this wasn't a problem just in the deep south in america in the state it was a problem worldwide This is in, shooting in toronto canada same problem you know just Flooded with with plastic water bottles, and decided that I wanted to start populating sets with a you know a better water solution, and that's where it really came from. We was originally focused on film sets. So for anybody who doesn't know, the One Movement is a is a social enterprise, and we're focused on supporting activists around the world, and supporting people who want to do better in their lives, coupling great usable products with with an impact that actually makes a difference. That was a very broad overview. I'll get, I'll get into what we, you know, what we really do in a second. But we originally started, like, that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be on set and not feel like I was around all this, all this crazy plastic. So I got together with my friend and now business partner, Jade, and was like, I want to start a business. I want to do something that affects this, this issue. And we, and we help and through going through the process of going, okay, we want to do what we want to start with a water bottle. It's a simple product to, to, you know, to get through and, and become a solution for film sets. As we went through the process, we kind of realized that this was a much bigger problem, obviously, and we could actually be trying to put this solution out to the masses. And the whole goal is to basically make it easier for people to do the right thing, people to use reusables instead of using plastic water bottles, as well as through their purchases, fund the collection of plastic and fund, fund part of the solution. So we decided to focus a little bit less on film sets, although it's something that we will in the future come back to, and focus on how we could put this thing out to the masses and actually affect people in a, on a larger scale. That was kind of from the start, from where like, you know, my plastic bottles to, to where I am now. It was very much just being heavily exposed to it and just going on this journey and figuring out that we could actually make a real splash in this issue through pursuing a, 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 you know, a, broader, a broader audience of the, of the problem.
0: Exactly. Oh wow, that's that's really amazing. And there's just so many reasons why people can switch to a reusable. I mean, like my reusables I've been having for like so long. It's just everywhere with me. And not just only has it saved us so much money because you know, if you just take how much single-use plastic bottles cost you. Over the course of a year, it's so much and also almost 93% of bottled water contains microplastics. So you kind of have that aspect as well. So it's not just better for the environment to like use a reusable, but it's also better for your health.
1: Yeah. What is it? You drink like a credit card worth of plastic a week or something like that?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, sometimes it's even going up. I think it's now like a hanger, a clothing hanger as well. So it's it's phenomenal. But yeah. And like your your bottle, so there's, obviously it does good as well, but the actual bottle itself, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: This is the one bottle. It's a uh, completely plastic free <laughs> It's a stainless steel insulated water bottle. We recycle silicone for the base, the, the bang-free base and our sort of signature strap around the, around the middle. It's a labor of love, I have to say. I never thought it would take this long and this much effort to get an original design to, to market. And I'm very proud that we, that we have. But yeah, this is, this is our, our bottle. It's, it's so funny because I never like to oversell the product because I don't <laughs> think... The goal was never to reinvent the wheel it wasn't about re recreating the water bottle in some really fancy new way you know even though we may delve into new things and get really creative with it at the end of the day it's a water bottle and it's supposed to hold your water what we were more interested in was the story um, and the, and the impact and what we could what we could do from the sale of a bottle and attaching that to the product itself and allowing that impact to be owned by the by, by the customer, by the person who by the person who bought this and made that decision to buy something that they knew was going to make a difference. That's what we we really, really care about, and that's what we consider to be our, our USP.
0: I love the color. So you've got a a black one kind of there, but it also comes in different colors.
1: Yeah, so I really should I really should sort of pedal the bottle a little <laughs> bit more, should not I? Um, <laughs> so yes, black, white, um, a seafoam green, and a lavender. They're on sale in Indiegogo right now, and they'll be on sale on our website in the next couple of months, which we're just working on right now you like the bottle, please go and snag one.
0: And it's also great that people can walk around with this bottle, but not just with the bottle, but with the story behind it. And this is just like so much more than just the bottle. Like kind of this helps to actually transform ocean plastics into homes for people that really need it. Like, can you tell us more about that story?
1: Yeah. So We'd set out, as like, I want to attach some kind of really genuine impact on our planet to this product. And we'd stumbled upon, across Plastics for Change, an incredible nonprofit based out of India, Mangalore, India. And we'd partnered up with them. We said, Look, we want to work with you guys. We want to start helping you guys from fund the collection of ocean bound plastic. What else are you doing? How can I really want it to affect people as well? Because one of the things I'd learned was that there's so many untold stories out there. There's so many people doing this important work and it's quite common knowledge now, but a lot of Australian, UK, European and American trash is dumped in these poorer areas of certain countries like Mangalore, India. It's left for the locals to essentially deal with and recycle and process. And anything that doesn't, you know, often finds itself in uh, being melted or being dumped in the ocean and all the, you know, all the places that you and I know where these things go. And I'd ask them, I was like, what else are you guys doing? What are you working on that I could do to help these people? You've got a hundred or so waste collectors in your, kind of in your arsenal in this area. And they've all got families and like, what are they doing? And then they had said that they, they were interested in doing this housing project called Namamane, which uh, in the translation means our home. Shifra, the, uh, the, the sort of the, the lead on, on it, basically told us what the, what the rundown was. And I said, I want this. I want to do this with you guys. I want to be... I want to be the people who fund fund this. I want to get this thing going. I want to build a hundred houses for a hundred families with you guys. I want to make this happen. So we partnered up and we, we figured it all out and we just start, started on that journey. So in terms of the process of the actual, the plastic, essentially someone picks a bottle and they fund the collection of ocean bound plastic. And then we use the majority of that plastic will go into a compression and building a panel so it's like basically recycled plastic panel, low-density polyethylene, which is always a tongue twister, <laughs> which is typically the most unrecyclable waste. It, it's your, you know, like your chocolate wrappers and all those kinds of things, like that that film that typically can't really be turned into anything. It's, it's low-quality plastic, can be compressed and turned into really high-quality, sturdy materials for building. And we were actually able to build our first house earlier this year wow. and we're yeah. And it's, it's incredible. It's got it's got running water, it's got electricity, you know, and it just it's got a family of five living in it.
0: That's amazing. So definitely one man's trash is another's treasure. And
1: so if ever there was a better example of, the, of that phrase, it's certainly nothing more treasured than than our home, you know, for, mm. your, for your children. So to date, that's, you know, that's my proudest achievement to, to know that from what we've we've done and we've built, we've helped to make this this thing happen. And, you know, we've got a long way to go to to house the whole community.
0: Oh wow, well that's fantastic. And I I feel you know a lot of the times we very easily throw stuff away in the bin and you know we kind of don't really think about it again and it's for me it's so important to acknowledge these people that does this work that really no one else wants to do that's kind of where they make their living and for me this kind of hit really hard home in episode 98 I had Frank Solomon on our podcast as well. And he kind of spoke about street surfers. And, you know, if you've ever visited South Africa, you would sometimes see these guys like almost like trolleys full of trash and they are literally surfing the streets, picking up other people's trash, literally going through it and check what can be recycled. And if they don't do that, no one else would do that because there's not really a formal system where you could put your recycling. So it becomes such a vital, vital part. And to seeing that was just like so eye opening. And, you know, you had so much more respect for these people. And, you know, if we could do anything to help them, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I mean, how, how can you not respect that work? nobody can pretend that it's, it's the work that they would want to be, to be, to be doing. It's tough, it's tough. It's hard work, you know? Um, so I, to be cleaning up someone else's trash that is there often illegally, is just genuine, to me, is genuinely honorable. And that was the fuel for me. I can't tell you how excited <laughs> I got when she told me about this project. Wow. Um, you know, me, that was like the closing of the loop. It was like, okay, great. We're moving ocean bound plastic. What are we going to do with it? It's great that it'll go back into the system and it'll get recycled. But one day, if it's not used for the right kind of product, it's going to find its way all the way back there. That's the scary part of it. And every, you know, every time round, I'm sure technology is getting better, but every time something is recycled, the quality slowly drops. You know, you can't recycle. I don't believe you can recycle plastic forever, at least certainly not these kinds of plastics, which is why they're rarely recycled in the first place. So, yeah, for me, it was it was a real complete completing of the cycle
0: Oh, I love that. So you've done one house is done, one family of five is in there, 100 houses, kind of, that's the goal. When do you think the next houses are going to come?
1: We originally, we, you know, we were like, look, we want, we want to start building the next house, this that and the other. And they were like, well, it doesn't make sense to, to start building one house at a time. We did the first house as a pilot and it worked very well. And it was also about learning from the community, like, is this something that they even want? We have you know, since found that they, they do. So it's a pretty much entirely unhoused community living in tarp, under tarps and tents and that. So the first house had gone to a sort of community leader, a man named Jaikar and his family. Sort of the key pilot program will be 20 houses. So the next 19 houses, we have the site for that. So once we get past the milestone for sales for those 19 houses, we'll erect them all at the same time and do it as a full as a full-blown project because it's not it's not economical for us to be sending workers out there to build these houses as they come in yeah we're in that process now we're like we want to race that that first that first line you know um but even the first house was an incredible achievement for us and one that you know that we'll hold on to uh and is encouragement for me and the team to just go and get to the next 20 houses
0: Oh, that's amazing! So, if people like me, who already have a water bottle and don't necessarily want to buy another water bottle because I've been using these for years now, how can we kind of be part of the project?
1: So, in terms of directly to the project, you're more than willing to, more than happy to donate directly to Plastics for Change for the project. People are absolutely open to do that to Project Namamani. I don't know if they have a page specifically for it. Um, I don't believe they do. But alternatively if you want people to, if you want to encourage your friends to, who don't have bottles to buy a one bottle and to join the movement uh, of actually buying products that make a difference, uh, that would, I would say would be the best way. And just informing your friends about, about what we're up to and what we're doing and the ways that they, that they can help. And, you know, the reality is the sale of the bottles is the thing that, that makes it all happen. So it's a, it's an interesting place, place to be trying to encourage people to buy a product, but, uh, you know, because it actually makes a genuine difference that would be the, the main thing is encouraging your friends to make more environmentally friendly choices. And when they when you finally convince that one friend to choose a reusable, to, to choose the one bottle.
0: Oh, I love that. And I mean, it's not just kind of this bottle, this project, but the whole thing that you guys have around the one movement is also that you guys focus not just on the bottom line, that you kind of have a triple bottom line that focus first on people, planet, and pro- then only on profit, you know? Why was that important to you?
1: Honestly, Mariska, because every company's philosophy or every company's um, culture starts out from a founder's desired or personal beliefs. I started as an actor, and it's great to get to do what I do. You know, I get to go on film sets. I get to make good money from it. I get to do what I I love. I love acting, but it's all for me. It's great I've been able to support members of my family and things like that, but the truth is acting doesn't really serve the world unless you're telling an incredible story that truly needs to be told. It's all for me. And for a long time, that didn't sit right with me and I always had this kind of itch to do more. And that's where this came from, that I never felt more value than in serving. And no one who's doing good work or important work should have to starve or not make rent, or not be able to live a good life. There's this weird paradox where it's so easy to steal, rob, and cheat, and make your way to the top and make a ton of money and live well. But it's so hard to do the right thing every step of the way, and then also live well. That was a big part of my, my philosophy. I was like, nobody who's doing the right thing should be living. No one should have a worse quality of life for making better choices and choosing to, to serve the world instead of, uh, instead of hinder it. They should all be in conjunction. I don't believe in being an activist means you have to be poor or you have to not live a comfortable lifestyle or something like that. I don't, I don't personally believe that. I believe if, you, you know, if you're able to do both, you, should, you, you deserve to. And if anybody deserves to, it's people who are doing, doing right by the environment and are serving the big picture. So that's been my personal philosophy. And that's why we have a triple bottom line. I wouldn't feel comfortable stealing, robbing, cheating somebody to make a buck for myself. If you're not doing something for others when you build these big, when people build huge businesses, if they're not actually outwardly truly serving the planet or people or animals or, you know, or nature, then it, it it doesn't bolt. It doesn't bolt well with me. That that doesn't sit. That's not where my philosophy is. That's the foundation that that we've been built upon. And it's the reason that we've had so many people sign up to be a part of the company. We're a growing team of ambassadors and all these things. And it's all because of that philosophy that nobody doing good work deserves to struggle
0: so hard. I mean, you guys have some great ambassadors. We were actually fortunate enough to speak to one of your ambassadors a while back, Catherine Kellogg in episode 25. Oh, she's she's just amazing.
1: Yeah, she's fantastic. She's actually our chief sustainability officer.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: She's a big help to the team, a big part of the team. We always got her uh, our parental guidance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's like the OG for us. She's the OG in, in the team of like the sustainable movement. She's the one that knows, she wrote the book on how to go zero waste. So she really knows what she's talking about, and we, you know, we take a lot of uh, a lot of guidance and advice from her in that sense. Um, and particularly on, on how to communicate with the sustainability community and and these kinds of things. She's been a, a massive asset to us, and she just came in and just you know elevated our our company and our brand altogether.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So if there's any of our crazy birds out there that's like, listen, I want to be a One Movement ambassador, like, what do we do?
1: Yep. Yeah, so you can go to the One onemovement.co. It's like onemovement.co. And you can, I think there's a link in there, you can sign up to subscribe. And there's a type form in there to become an ambassador. Uh, you fill out some questions and some details. And then yeah, you can sign up and we'll get back to you on, on the ambassador program. We are in the, in the midst of like, the ambassador program together we have an event on the 18th of this month about just everything that we're doing we'll be launching the website soon so it's just everything that's sort of building up so we're excited for everybody for it all kind of to come together because we've been operating in the world of getting the product together and and getting ready for the launch but having so many people sign up (laughs) to be involved and going we don't know what to, quite know what to do with you just yet. We've got so much going on and we, you know, we're excited that you're excited and, and it's going to be, it's going to be incredible when, when we're there and we're very close to being there. Yeah. So you can go to our website and you can sign up and we'll send you an email and we'll kind of just, we're getting the ball rolling now. So there'll be a lot more information coming up really soon about what the ambassador program entails and, and what comes next.
0: So what would you say is kind of the next step for one movement for you?
1: I'll tell you now, we just finished something, uh, One Movement Changemakers, which was a BIPOC activist fund. I know this wasn't the question, but it does pertain to the next step. Uh, We just started a a BIPOC activist fund where we basically had submissions from activists from the black and brown and indigenous people of color communities to put forward their programs of what they were trying to get off the ground. And we had four prizes, one for $2,000 and then three runners up for $1,000 each. So we just put that out and we had some incredible submissions. We just chose our winners. A girl called Amber Brown was our key winner, our first prize winner. And that was something that was really powerful for us. And that's something we're planning to do again, hopefully in the near future. So that'll be a big thing that we that we focus on in the next sort of like six months. But right now we are just focused on purely getting our orders out to our customers who have already purchased on Indiegogo. And then getting our website together and just getting, getting the parts of a, of a business, of an online business together and complete before we kind of take on too many new things because I have a tendency to get excited about new things. <laughs> and I want to start on them and then my bandwidth gets really low. And yeah, so that's the key thing. We just, we're just trying to complete the, the cycle of starting a business.
0: Oh, that's, that's amazing. And kind of for you, like kind of what is, what is next for Patrice Jones?
1: For me, I just got back from Toronto. I just got back to LA from Toronto shooting Lock and Key Season 2 and I will be looking for my next project. Yeah, so I'm out. I'm doing the audition circuit again and all these kinds of things and kind of looking at what's coming in and figuring out what the next steps are. And honestly, I'm just enjoying the, the, sl- the slower side of life. Being go, go, go for the last sort of 18 months and things are like slowing down a little bit, which is good before they heat up again. Taking it easy a little bit is is a big part of what's what's coming next for me.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And I mean, you were also very heftily involved in the Lonely Wales podcast, 52 Hertz. You were actually the host of that. And that podcast for me was really great. You guys had some amazing guests on there, and it was all about climate optimism. And I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that and kind of what does climate optimism mean for you and why is it important?
1: The truth is there's, no, there's not really any other way. Optimism in general is you look through life, no one in no point in time truly chooses the negative person, the negative option, the negative way of life because no one wants to live like that. And again, like I said about just because you're an activist or you're, you you do good in the world doesn't mean you deserve to stop. It also doesn't mean that you deserve to live in anxiety and trepidation um, and fear about what comes next, for, for better or for worse. You know, we we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're, we're going to be absolutely fine in the next fifty years and we'll figure it all out and it'll all be good, or if we're going to continue to lose land and oceans and some of the really powerful stuff that we see that really affects you and can can start your day off completely wrong. When you hear if you hear the wrong fact at the start of your morning about Another species has gone extinct. The coral reef is gone. All these different things really affect your, your faith in, one, the movement, and two, in, in, in life and your ability to just live it in a happy way. And the truth is, you, you know, we're all going to die, which sounds really heavy and negative, but it's not. It's, it's beautiful. It's the only thing you know for sure is that we're all going to die. So you can't, you can't take it with you. And for better or for worse, like we're on the train now. It doesn't really matter. So the way I see it is, if we're going to go out, we might as well go out smiling. Knowing that I did everything that I could to play my part to, for a better world, to leave it better than I found it, means I deserve to wake up in the morning and be happy and uh, look in the mirror and like the person looking back at me and be optimistic about the possibilities. Uh, because if you're not optimistic about it, then you, you know, it's the same as anything. If you don't believe you can do something, the chances are you won't be able to. Well, as I say, he says he can. He says he can't. Are both usually right? I think Confucius said that. But that's that's for me. That's what it is for me. It's that it seems like the only way. And and you almost have to give yourself a a false reality that everything's going to be absolutely fine, no matter what. And you're you're going to you're going to keep hammering on and and work within that that parameter that as long as you keep doing your best, then it will be okay, even if it's not okay. Because otherwise, what else, what else have we got? We've only got, we've only got these these eighty hundred years, if you're lucky, if you're very lucky, and no one wants to spend it sitting there miserable, no matter what your life is. This is the hand we've been dealt. Being optimistic about the most important thing going on right now, which is climate, climate breakdown, and all the environmental issues that we face, being optimistic about the possibilities is the same about being optimistic about the quality of your day. You decide at the start how it's going to be, and if you decide your day's going to suck you know, we've all had a bad day and you, we all know that we could have turned it around, you know, so that for me is, is, is what it is. It's, it's making the decision to go forth with zest and enjoy the enjoy the fact that we get to be a part of this movement. For me, this is, it's a privilege. I feel like every generation seems to have like a big war, you know, and I would much rather be fighting this war against overconsumption <laughs> uh, <laughs> and wasteful attitudes than I would, you know, going off into some other country
0: and uh, and...
1: I don't know, didn't, didn't ever do me any harm. This is a war that I believe and I can fight for. And that for me, I consider to be a privilege uh, rather than a, a, such a burden. I would say I'm blessed with a burden to, to serve this movement.
0: I love that. And yeah, it's so, so true. Absolutely love that. So we are now just going to move into our more like standard stuff. One of the things that I also always ask my guest is, what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth?
1: Wow, that is a big question. <laughs> I guess it's the decision to just to start speaking up, to start becoming an advocate is, is a big transition from, you know, because it becomes part of your everyday life to go, I'm going to speak about this every day. Every person I meet in some capacity is going to become a part of me. And once you make that decision, you can never really go back. You can never go back to talking about nonsense all day, every day of your life. You know, and we've all, we all do it when we're growing up. And so few of us get to grow up with real substance in our day-to-day lives and in, in, our, in our conversations. So making the decision to become an outward advocate, I guess, was probably the biggest thing because that's what's led me to where I am now, making the decision to start this journey. And people are calling me a thought leader now. And I, I still don't think I am. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds very like, oh... Uh, but, you know, the, the, recently a couple of people have said that to me. and I'm like, wow, like that's a real honor to be mm. considered that. And I only just now I'm slowly starting to accept the label of like activist or real advocate or, you know, all these things, these words that get used for people who really have made like made real change out in the world. And I'm just starting my sustainability journey, but making the, making the decision to start speaking and start looking inward and being self-aware about what you do what your place in this world is, I guess has probably been the biggest decision I've made because if you don't make that decision to, to start walking in, in a different, to walk this life in a slightly different way and walk a different path, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you. Wouldn't get the chance to be communicating with the crazy birds. That to me is, is really important to, that I decided to start speaking up and put focus on this.
0: That's so true and I, I this kind of brings me back to where a lot of people are like, you know, I wish somebody could do something about it and then when you actually look at yourself in the mirror, you are somebody and no matter how small sometimes we might think we are, we can have some big changes and I saw that firsthand when I wore my trash for 30 days. And just by literally one person, if you think how much waste one person can make, just by switching a few items, and if you can reduce that waste, that is so much. So, one person can make a lot of difference. So, good on you, and thank you for all the work you're doing.
1: Sure. Thank you. Um, likewise.
0: And now we are going to move into our final five. So first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow?
1: I'm going to have to go with my missus, Sophia Esperanza, my girl.
0: (laughs) I I was going to actually think that you were going to say that and give her a little plug because she's been doing amazing work. And yeah, good on you for getting such an amazing girlfriend. So cheers on that.
1: Incredible partner. <laughs> Thank you. I'll I'll cheers for
0: that. Cheers. Absolutely
1: the most amazing partner and advocate for not just sustainability but as you know is now essentially a career animal rights activist and has really helped to push forward the, the movement around animal welfare and protection of animals and, and all sentient beings. So big shout out to, to Sophia because yeah, she's made she's made me a hell of a lot. Better of a man and of, a, of an activist and of an advocate. So, um, yeah, that would, be, that would be my profile.
0: <laughs> and what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward?
1: Mutuality. That there is a mutual respect we can find with Mother Earth. She only gives as good as she gets. So if we treat her right, she'll know how to treat us right.
0: And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to actually help out Mama Earth?
1: Speak up would be my advice. Speak up, talk talk to your friends and the people around you about environmental welfare. And don't be afraid of that because we, we will always need more soldiers.
0: And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey?
1: Oh, God. My fact to someone who isn't on a sustainability journey is that their participation is paramount. It's absolutely their responsibility and that's a fact everybody must step up soon it's a not unfortunately it's a non-negotiable that would be my fact
0: and where can people find you and also one movement
1: so you can find me at patrice j that's p-e-t-r-i-c-e j on instagram and you can find the one movement on instagram at the one movement and the One Movement website, which I think I already said, is the One theonemovement.co, theonemovement.co. And yeah, you can also find us on Pinterest. We do love our Pinterest. You'll see a lot of ocean <laughs> ocean stuff on there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a super fantastic guest on the podcast. I've learned a lot and it's just amazing what you guys are doing. Keep it up. And yeah, just thank you for all you're doing.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. Real pleasure to meet you. And Thank you for, for bringing me on and for inviting me.
0: And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guests for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk dot com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, You can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, Why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best way to get in contact with me would probably be a DM on Instagram. You can either send it to my personal which is at Zero Waste Mariska or the podcast, which is at Mama Earth Talk or send me an email at hello at MamaEarthTalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday, so make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.